Okay, awesome. So my name is Jacob Alley. Uh, welcome, everyone. Um, tonight we've got a special night of first planned for you. This is actually our first time doing a panel AMA. Uh, our first time hosting the wonderful folks from campusofcanton.com. And it is also my first time hosting. Uh, so I'm, I'm putting the over under on how many times I say we'll do it in post uh, at three. Uh, so <laughs> take it how you want. Um, so without further ado, let's introduce our guests. Uh, we have Austin Nace. Uh, you can find him at, at Debbie Dietz on Twitter. Uh, Austin writes for campusofcanton.com a host of the Debbie Debate podcast, uh, recently has been uh, working on the Zero QB uh, C2C series that has been uh, a, a, a fun time to try and implement myself. Uh, Austin, do you want to say hello? How's it going, guys? Uh, happy to be here tonight. Awesome. Next, we have Alfred Fernandez, uh, at Alfred RF on Twitter. Uh, Alfred also writes for CampusTheCanton.com. Uh, he's a contributor for Razzball and Why Wait Till Sunday CFB. Uh, Alfred, how are you this evening? Hey, uh, I'm doing great. And just so we make sure people can find me on Twitter, should they desire, it's Alfred JF. JF. Oh, my Lord. Sorry. That's okay. That. No problem. No problem. <laughs> Put it, do it we'll in fix post. it in post. post. There's yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, third, uh, we got Jarek Brackus. Uh, he can be found at Jarek Brackus. Hard to mess that one up. Uh, he's one of the co-founders of CampusOfCanton.com. Uh, he brings a great analytics and data-based approach to the game that I very much love. Jarek, how are you doing this evening? Awesome. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Uh, next down the line, we got Felix Sharp at Sharp Review on Twitter. Also a contributor uh, for CampusToCanton.com and host of the Devi Debate. Felix, my man, pleasant surprise to have you on board. How are you this evening? Hey, everybody. This is, this is Felix, and I'm addicted to microphones. <laughs> <laughs> and last but certainly not least, we do have uh, Matthew Bruning uh, at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter, uh, renowned Ohio State fan. Uh, co-founder of CampusOfCanton.com, uh, host of the Devi Debate podcast, uh, and also a host of the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Uh, how are you doing, Matthew? I'm good. Thank you for saving the best for last. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So uh, you guys work for CampusToCanton.com, uh, and this name is actually a reference to a specific league format, uh, also called Campus to Canton or C2C. Uh, C2C is a growing format, and I've been able to get in a few leagues myself, and personally, I am loving it. Uh, Austin, can you give everyone a quick overview of the format? Yeah, so um, I mean, at its core, it is basically just a super deep Devi league, um, but it's also combined with a college fantasy uh, aspect. You have, you have two full rosters, basically, your NFL roster, your college roster, uh, both accrue weekly points. There are championships on both sides. And then at the end of the year, if you have players on your college roster that are heading on to the league, they move on up to your NFL roster. Um, so a, a lot of fun really finding these guys, you know, as, as high school seniors and just, you know, following them and moving them along and uh, reaping all the benefits along the way. 
Thank you for that. Uh, and I absolutely love what you guys have done, uh, creating a site that creates content for this format. Uh, and this content's also useful in Devi leagues and college fantasy leagues. Um, when campus2campus.com uh, sprang up, it really felt like uh, kind of the forming of a supergroup, if you will. Uh, all my favorite uh, Twitter Devi personalities all joined in on one project. Uh, Jarek, can you give us a quick uh, genesis or origin story of campus2campus.com? Yeah, well, um, from my end, I was, you know, just doing the Patreon thing where I'd, I'd last summer I created my database and was just uploading all my my data for everyone to play around with on Patreon. Um, and I, you know, put out weekly threads and stuff on the during the season and stuff. And I got a lot of discussions on Twitter with Alfred, Austin, uh, Matt, Colin, Felix, everybody. Um, and it just felt like kind of like clicked. Um, but uh, Alfred actually reached out to me. It's like, hey, you want to get together and kind of do something bigger together? And I was like, yeah, yeah, very interested. Um, and then and then um, Alfred actually was reached out to Austin as well. And it turns out Austin and Colin were already working on this big project behind the scenes, creating the Campus to Canton website um, and just kind of worked out perfectly where we were all just thinking about the same thing at the same time got together um brought in felix and and matt um and then made the super team if you will i love it i love it um felix why should people get into devi oh man well it just makes everything more interesting I mean, if you're listening to podcasts, football podcasts, any type of football podcast in June, in uh, in April, then I think you would really gravitate towards Campus to Canton because sooner, sooner or later those competitive instincts kick in and you're looking at, you know, uh, what the recruiting classes for different schools are and the depth charts for different uh, for different programs and and uh, you just you know learn under the radar guys that you want to get on your campus to Canton team and if you really want to be a good dynasty player if anyone plays dynasty then why not have uh, three years to or four years to recruit the incoming classes um, you know as those classes become a part of your freshman or excuse me your your rookie incoming class in your dynasty leagues. But it just makes it makes uh, those Wednesday night games and Saturday night games interesting, and you, you got some action in that. If you're if you're betting on college football, you know, it, campus to Canton um, is is really the thing for you. If you're into into listening to draft podcasts in April or leading up to April, then campus to Canton, the format is really something to get you fully immersed, fully immersed in football because it makes everything matter. Absolutely. I never knew that Maction Tuesdays and Wednesdays would be so awesome. Caleb Elby. Caleb Elby. You, you, <laughs> you asked Austin about Caleb Elby, and he should first say Kalamazoo stand up, and then he should go on a, on a three-minute diatribe along Caleb Elby. I am here for it. Um, Alfred, what are some of the less obvious pitfalls uh, that new Devi players need to avoid? Oh, man. So I think uh, 
for me, what one thing I've I've learned, whether it's honestly Devi or Deep Devi or Campus to Canton, is we are evaluating players with even less information than a redraft league, even less information than a dynasty league, where at least you have kind of draft capital and combine measurements and things like that. The deeper you go, the less reliable information you have, whether it's high school stats or you know, some kind of spark training that the kid went to or something like that. So I think you have to be okay, more okay being wrong. And you have to hold your, uh, what you felt about a player as a senior or as a freshman, uh, really loose. And if they don't show it or the coaches or the depth chart is telling us that the guy doesn't have it, even if he was a five-star, uh, even if you loved his high school tape, whatever, you just need to be able to say, all right, done, on to the next one. Because there's always a new crop of guys coming in. There's always another guy you can you know, pick up and mine for, for production. I think holding on to these guys too long can really set you back. And just realize that you're working with so much less information. So it's okay to be wrong. Uh, but I think being able to, um, uh, to flip that quickly is, is something that would be really valuable. And holding on too long is, is probably the pitfall to answer your question. Absolutely. I'm definitely someone who's been guilty of being uh, slow to adjust and falling uh, too deeply in love with my Debbie darlings that have no uh, mm -hmm. chance of panning out looking at you, Warren Jackson. Um, <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think, I mean, another thing, just to, I don't want to hijack, but another thing is understanding kind of some, I think understanding like profiles of, of what types of players can lead to draft capital and things like that. So, you know, you're not necessarily always looking at stats in the same way that you can kind of really crunch the numbers and look at stats uh, on the NFL side because they're all playing the same level of they're all they've been drafted. They're on NFL teams, all that. We're trying to keep an eye on guys uh, and predicting two, three year, four years away. What kind of draft capital is this guy going to have? If you're in Dynasty, you know, draft capital is pretty much trumps everything. I mean, there, there are other things, but like, that's the biggest thing. And so what are some types of players? What are some uh, factors that we can use to almost predict draft capital? Cause sometimes when I'm drafting on, on the college side, what I'm trying to do is not necessarily look at who I love or who I think is tape is so good or even stats. Cause we know in like the G five subdivision, uh guys put up crazy stats and don't even get drafted in the nfl so kind of looking at what types of players can i foresee that nfl potential in versus separating that out from the guys who are just going to give me college production and then i'm going to have to you know get rid of them yeah great stuff uh absolutely um and alfred you wrote an article if i'm not mistaken about uh the composition of a uh, true freshman uh, breakout uh, for a wide receiver. Uh, could you maybe give us some high points of that? And if there's anyone in either the uh, 2021 incoming recruiting class who will be freshmen this year or the 22 uh, recruiting class who will be freshmen next year uh, who kind of fit that bill that you've got your eye on. 
Yeah, so I just basically, it's you know, it's kind of a rough sketch, uh, but using Jarek's uh, information, which he pulled, one of our tools on the site is um, basically the all the incoming information for, for freshmen and basically going all the way back to, I believe it was 2006, but I may have, the early numbers are a little bit wonky, so I think I may have cut it off at 2010 um, <clears throat> and only started from there to 2020. But we're talking years and years of data that I could go back and say, you know, incoming height, incoming weight, star status, uh, where they were from. And what I wanted to do is just say, what did anything stand out? And, you know, uh, of the true freshmen who broke out as a as a first year player, which is um, I think I looked at 25 percent or 30 percent of the receiving market share. So I had them in two different buckets. And the the. The interesting thing was actually that they weren't huge. I thought these guys were all going to look like Julio Jones and they're going to be six foot three, 220 pounds incoming freshmen and just dominate everybody. But, you know, it's, it's interesting when you look at the numbers, actually, what it told me was they don't have to be that big. I think the average receiver who broke out as a true freshman was about six feet, 180. I mean, that's, you know, it's not small, but it's also not like this massive hulking receiver. Um, uh, the other thing that I found was that they were all from Florida. I mean, you're talking about, I think it was like 40 or 50 receivers and over 25% were all from the state of Florida. Um, they went to other schools outside of the state, but they, but Florida just, it's a hotbed for receivers. So I'm not saying that like everyone obviously coming out of Florida is going to be this stud, but but certainly as a tiebreaker or to mine, you know, some of the three-star guys, uh, maybe it'd be worth kind of narrowing your focus a little bit because there's so many. Uh, and, you know, maybe at least first dibs dipping into the tape from Florida guys because they seem to do it. Um, and then, you know, on the back end, then looking at those players, and then I was like, so what really happens if you break out as a true freshman in terms of draft capital? Because like I said before, does it matter just for college or is there something there that, that really projects to the NFL? And it was pretty shocking. If you, as a true freshman, break out over 30% of your team's market share in year one, you had like 90% chance of being drafted in the top three rounds. Not even drafted at all, but drafted in the top three rounds, I think, if it was a Power 5 conference. So kind of a lot of qualifiers there, but basically Power 5 conference break out as a true freshman over 30%, you're going to get drafted in the top three rounds. Like, so, and one thing that that tells me for, for all of us, as we're ranking guys is don't be shy about rocketing a guy up your list. If he breaks out as a true freshman, like you don't have to see it again. If that happens in year one, he's already an absolute blue chip prospect. Who's probably going to get the draft capital that you want. So don't be, don't hesitate to let guys go and don't hesitate to rocket guys up the list if they do some of these early production things. And then um, I want to let some other people talk, of course, but two guys this year um, that kind of looked real good from a lot of these measurements in terms of measurements and, and coming out of the state of Florida and going to a power five team with a chance to break out is Mario Williams for Oklahoma. I know some people don't love his tape, but he looks really twitchy. And he fulfills a lot of the criteria, uh, and he's going to play in a high-octane offense. So I like the potential there. And then James Blackstrain uh, is a four-star guy going to Georgia Tech. He's already gotten some pretty good reviews from the coaching staff early on in practices. 
And he just kind of fits the mold of a lot of those criteria I was talking about. Came out of came out of the state of Florida and is going to go to Georgia Tech and uh, looks really like a polished route runner. I'm not. I don't think he's like an extreme athlete, but he just looks very polished and and kind of uh, advanced for his age. For now, here subtweeting uh, Austin talking about touting Mario Williams. I know. I knew. <laughs> I, well, I know I'm going to get some pushback about it, so I just prefaced it. Not for me, but Mr. Bowtie over there, Mr. Debbie Downer on on Mario Williams. <laughs> this is a strictly pro Mario Williams chant. <laughs> Sorry, Austin. Well, Austin, you better get out. <laughs> um, Matt, uh, so right now yeah. uh, for the 22 uh, – NFL class, uh, the top two QBs are easily uh, Rattler and Howell. Uh, who do you have as the QB3? Uh, for me, QB3 in the 2022 class is Carson Strong. Uh, I know he doesn't quite bring the athleticism that uh, Malik Willis does, who's getting hyped up a lot on Twitter. But I think what he does overall with his arm and his mind in the game is going to separate him a little bit. I know uh, Felix has talked a lot about that. I just think that he brings um, something different there that I think he could be. For me, it's it's Hal then Rattler, just to to throw that out there because I know you put Rattler first. But it's it's very easily Carson Strong for me. I mean, Matt Corral's in the conversation. Jaden Daniels is in the conversation. Uh, you could say Malik Willis, JT Daniels. But the one that stands uh, up for me is, is Carson Strong, what he's done. I know some people might throw in the argument about competition but i think if you let that slide with zach wilson who is arguably going to play worse competition last year than what uh, carson strong will get this year in some of the teams that they play i think you should throw that argument out the window as well so carson strong for me absolutely and carson strong has uh a lot closer than most of the other quarterbacks in the class uh that nfl size uh that you're looking for he's six four about 220 uh a lot of the others are barely over six foot, uh, which for me is somewhat of a red flag. Uh, we'll see if it ends up making a difference. Does anyone else ha- uh, want to chime in with who their QB three is for the 22 class? My, mine's Matt Corral. Um, <clears throat> Not worried about right. the 11 interceptions in two games. Uh, a little bit, um, but at the same time, you know, that's, he limited them to two games, so that that that, that could be a positive and a negative. Um, I, I just think he has the tools. I think he's mobile enough. Um, I think he's he's a, he's accurate. He just makes bad decisions at times. I think you know I'd rather have a guy that's that's accurate but but doesn't make bad de- or, but doesn't make good decisions uh, than you know maybe vice versa. Um, and I, I just think his ceiling is much higher than strong. Um, in in a poor quarterback class, give me. Give me some of that uh, realistic ceiling, I think. Because I know as soon as I, I was about to phrase it one way and I, I, I didn't want Malik Willis. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I, uh, I chose my words very carefully there. <laughs> That's awesome. And Corral, I think, helps uh, also in uh, a C2C. Uh, like if you're in a C2C draft and you have uh, Corral and Strong in the same tier, uh, I think Corral is actually more likely to deliver you college points than Strong is. Yeah, Strong actually had, you know, statistically not as strong of a year last year as people tend to think. Um, you know, I see some room for improvement there, of course, and he's got the weapons. But um, I, I think Corral and that, that um, um, what's it, Lane Kiffin system, uh, yeah, does puts up bigger numbers than he does this year. 
Yeah, Austin, you and I were talking, you and I were talking the other day when I, I think I was taking another guy that you seem to hate Romeo Dubes uh, in one of our drafts we're in. And I was like, Oh yeah, well, you know, strong is going to throw for 5,000 yards, blah, blah, blah. And then we kind of looked at the numbers and and he really wasn't even on pace for that last year. And I thought he kind of was, you know, I thought he would I thought they just lit up the world, but they kind of, I mean, it was good, but it wasn't like, leading college football or anything like that so i was surprised i thought they it was a little bit more of a wide open air raid type system but i I don't think it quite was was that pass happy happy yeah i agree um jarek uh your buddy uh tan has a question can you win in a debbie league by going zero debbie and what would have to go right to do so Win in a Debbie league going zero Debbie. That is an interesting question. Um, I think for the first uh, few years you could, um, but you have to amass some very good talent on the, the dynasty side on your NFL roster. Um, oh yeah. And then, uh, you know, people, there's going to be people who are loading up on the Debbie side of things. So I think, you could start off hot, um, but in the long run, it's going to be very difficult to keep that up. If, if you know, like everyone's going to be getting their 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 Debbie side into the NFL, and um, they're going to be coming on strong. If they got like Garrett Wilson coming in and Chase and and Elijah Moore and whatnot, so. Um, it can be done, but I don't think it will be. Uh, you'll have a long run at the top, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. Basically, the same as going win now uh, and hoping for yeah. the best that first year. Uh, it seems like that's your best best bet. Absolutely, um, Austin. If you could only factor in one thing when drafting a sophomore Devi wide receiver, what would it be? This could be a stat, physical trait, could be them going to a specific school. Sophomore, that's a tough one because I think you still, you know, as as Jarek has taught me over the past few months, you know, sophomore year is not the deal breaker, but if they haven't hit at least 20% by the end of that second year, that's when you start to panic. Am I right, Jarek? Am I am I butchering yep. it? Yep. Yeah, I, I did. I actually look above the, try and get above the trend line, which is generally 26% for way to dominator, so... Interesting. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to see somebody that did, they have to have done something. I think I would be scared away if they didn't touch the field at all. Um, like I, that, uh, like Julian DeMond, Fleming and then uh, those guys last year, I mean, Demond DeMoss. Yes. Demond DeMond DeMoss is dead to me at this point. Yep. Um, I, I, I off don't, my board. Off my I, board. <laughs> I, I don't see it happening, but that's why it can, you know, conversely JSN didn't do a lot last year, but he got on the field, made a couple catches, obviously that nice touchdown grab. Um, and he, he's, you know, held steady and possibly moved up. So I, I, I need to see something. I don't need to see a breakout age or, or, you know, a breakout, but they have to have done, they have to have done something. And if they've, only just done something you typically want a good recruiting profile uh as well go yeah i mean there. if I, I i'm thinking of like a, a ga hall who this year I, I will probably still hold in rather high stature as long as he is, touches the field somewhat and, and you know five catches 10 catches something in there would uh would signal to me that i'm 
I, I'm happy to go get him. Um, and I, I, if Ja'Cory Brooks, for instance, doesn't touch the field this year at all, um, I, I would probably be avoiding him going into his second year. Absolutely. Um, Felix, what process mistakes are most damaging to a beginner's C2C team? Well, I think it's going a heavy college fantasy um, because, you know, you can very easily, especially if you're drafting on fan tracks, you can very easily just sort through points by game and you see these college fantasy producers. You get them on your team and that's great um, uh, for your college side, but those players often fall in drafts. I mean, in most drafts. Players like Bailey Zappe and his two, two wide receivers there at Western Kentucky that should put up a lot of points. I mean, you can get those guys in the 20, 25th round, maybe later. And if you can't, you shouldn't be taking them because they're so plentiful um, that that you don't need to take them early. So I would say um, not really leaning on, on Debbie guys first, guys that you think have a chance at being on your NFL roster because, of, you know, it's a long-term um, – the, the players on your college roster are going to be there for four years, and hopefully your C2C leagues will last you know, generations, and, and you're going to want those guys to be on your NFL team eventually where, where they will have longer careers. So I think the, the one big mistake that you can make is going, is going college fantasy, getting some of those Mac guys who don't have an NFL future, getting some of those G5 guys who don't have an NFL future, um, getting them too early. I mean, just, we're talking about Carson Strong. In all of the C2C leagues I started last year, I got Carson Strong. I got him in the 40th round. I saw this redshirt freshman or a freshman quarterback who had a 60% completion percentage and was starting um, at the, at the uh, end of the season. And he had Elijah Cooks there at the time and Toa Tawa. Um, so, you know, there are guys, you might get one of those guys to pop that you take uh, late in drafts, but definitely going – you know, guys like Ronnie Rivers or um, uh, Corey Rucker. People are high on on Corey Rucker. Guys like that, you got to wait to the sweet spot to take them, and you can't take them too early. So, does that mean you base how many rounds do you treat as a Devi draft before switching gears and going into college fantasy mode in a in a C two C startup on the college side? I tr- I. Until all those the Debbie guys are gone, until the guys that I think are Debbie guys are gone, or um, you know the the guys that most would perceive as Debbie guys, I'm really high on Mayan Williams. I think Mayan Williams is an NFL running back in a mold of C.J. Anderson. I don't have to take him any time early because Austin is pooping my take on Mayan Williams. So um, you know, anyway, just just people are. <laughs> aren't going to agree with me there. But a player, you know, the freshman class coming in, players like JoJo Earl and Mario Williams and um, uh, uh, even Jake Garcia and, and J.J. McCarthy, I I still consider, I mean, I got to consider those Debbie guys because people are going to snap them up. And if I'm high on them, and I've evaluated them and I'm, I'm high on them, then they're still going to be towards the top of my list before I start reaching for um, uh the G5 producers that could win me games at two o'clock in the morning, like seven Cadero and Calvin Turner, even though Calvin Turner has been getting some NFL buzz here recently. 
Um, so I don't have a particular round to give you. I would just say until all those those higher end guys are gone, for me it's still it's still a Debbie draft. But I mean you mentioned you mentioned Matt Corral. A player like Matt Corral, you can he's a quarterback one. Uh, so he's a Debbie guy and someone who's going to help you win on the college side of your pitch. Jalen Tolbert, who Mel Kuyper has in his top ten for NF, for uh, the NFL. He's also a college fantasy guy. He's going to be a guy that you can get um, probably in the 10, between 10, rounds 10 and 15, 7 and 15, somewhere around there. And he's a potential day two guy, as Austin and, and Colin just mentioned on Campus Life, um, that you can plug right in there as a, as a wide receiver one. So uh, I don't – so that number, however many players there are, it's based on – your evaluations, and then your perception of value. As I mentioned Mayan Williams, uh, Dominic Richardson out of Oklahoma State. He's another running back that I'm pretty high on that is going to go undrafted unless I'm in the draft because I'll take him late. I think he's a potential NFL running back. So, um, But the higher-end guys, um, you, you got to snag those guys between rounds 1 and 15 or so and then sprinkle in your value picks uh, after that. That is all great stuff and makes a lot of sense. Um, Matt, how long should it take to move on from a high-end recruit if reports are negative or if they fail to produce? And from- uh, Julian Fleming. <laughs> hey, you were the one who liked Julian Fleming there, Felix. I don't know why you throw him out there. Yeah, I think uh, it really depends on the team and what you're talking about by not producing. Is it an injury? Is it something like... Austin just mentioned with Hall and, um, you know, Hall, there's a realistic shot, doesn't do anything this year. So he's not going to produce. Are you going to move on from him just because he doesn't produce? No, he's still a high end wide receiver who likely is going to end up producing once he becomes a starter on the field. So I don't think there's a exact answer you can give this I think it really just depends on why they didn't produce I mean Julian Fleming that Felix just coughed out uh, there a second ago is because he hasn't been doing much in at Ohio State he has not looked well he's had people pass him I mean yeah that is someone you need to be worried about for me uh, I think Austin mentioned it and Jarek talked about you want to see that first year production and then go above uh, what we like to call Jarek's magic line if they don't do that their freshman year, I am not someone who quickly moves off those players. I still hold on to them because we saw this year, and I understand Devonta Smith may be an outlier, but what he was able to do in his senior year ends up getting that high-end draft capital. I think he's going to be able to produce on the NFL level. Not every single one of these guys is going to smash as a freshman. It's just not going to happen. Does that mean that their upside and their chances of getting drafted is higher than a guy who produces in the second year? Yeah, obviously. That's what Alfred talked about in his article. But just because a guy doesn't produce that, that first year doesn't mean you should move off him in my opinion they don't produce in their second year a la julian fleming this year if he does not do it i think then i'm more likely to move off of them them than keep them because i think while nfl teams i believe still value what recruiting services say about these guys and a julian fleming who is number one in his class and a five-star athlete i do think that matters to NFL um, people, I think Jarek and Alfred and all these other data people have proven that that doesn't matter as much when it goes into the NFL. If you're not producing on a college level, very rarely do those guys end up producing on the NFL level. So if I had to give it a short answer of a year, I guess re- relative to that for me, it'd be the second year. If they don't produce in the second year and you're seeing negative reports on them, I would probably at that point try and move on from them. 
Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, just as a quick follow up. Let me, we, can, I, can I piggyback on that? I Absolutely. Think, um, yeah. One thing I just wanted to mention, I mean, anyone who's listening and, and isn't super familiar with, with this kind of stuff and the early production and all that, you know, one thing that I've found can give you some glimmer of hope. And this kind of touches on what I think it was Austin, you know, doing something as a freshman. So maybe you didn't get a lot of receptions, but did you contribute on special teams? Did they have you touching the ball, kickoff return, uh, punt return? I've found about 50% of guys who go on to the NFL, you know, do something like that as a true freshman, even if they don't break out. Um, so that's something to look for if you're trying to figure out, you know, can, can this guy you know, how much do I have to really give up? If they're on special teams, I think that's certainly something, uh, you know, that's earning trust of the coach, that's, you know, performing, being on the field. You just need them involved in some way. And then uh, the other thing is you can break out as a second-year guy, but you need to break out higher. In fact, I, I'm, I haven't published it yet, but I'm looking at year two breakouts. And so in year one, if you're over 30%, all those great things in terms of draft capital follow. If you uh, do it in year two, regardless of what happened in year one, if you do it in year two, you do have to get over a 40% bar. There's a handful of guys that do stuff like that. I think Des Bryant may have been one of them. He didn't do much as a freshman, went absolutely bonkers as a sophomore. And the bar is higher, but you can do it and still have all that great stuff. So I just echo what everyone says. I would not give up at least until you see what happens in year two. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh... Jarek, would you say you're more likely to react quickly or slowly to new information? Um, I would probably be on the the quicker side. I don't. I try not to hold my priors too tightly. You know, sometimes sometimes it happens, um, but especially with receivers. I mean, if they are not producing in that second year, um, I I will be very I will very quickly get rid of them because. Um, get what I can for them and, and take any return that I get. Cause I just don't see them going on to be um, high end producers in the NFL. And that's really what you care about for your NFL side. Absolutely. Um, and would that also like, so for like training camp reports or spring uh, reports, like spring games, uh, stuff like that, coach talk, uh, would you say you're still quick, to adjust uh, based on information like that, that's maybe not uh, data-driven, uh, which seems to be more in your wheelhouse? Yeah, I I make most of my decisions based on data. Um, so I don't, I mean, I, I leverage these guys. That as information? I, peripheral information, it may be um, the straw that breaks the camel's back if you may, but I don't, I personally don't dig deep into those. Um, I, I do leverage the information that, that the rest of the guys at C2C um, give out. And if they're putting off bad vibes with this one player and, and whatnot, I'll, I'll, I will take that into account, um, but I don't dig into it myself. Thank you for that. Um, who out of you guys is in the largest number of dynasty leagues? Uh, it's probably me. Definitely not me. How, I mean, how, like Austin's always, 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 Austin's always drafting. I feel like at least this off season. 
But Austin's very smart about the amount of leagues that he joins in. And if I'm getting this correct, Austin, you usually limit the amount, right? So that you can possibly add more leagues moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I said that this offseason, but then I added like seven C2C leagues. Um, <laughs> I can't say, I can't say no to people C2C. when they say really nicely, you know, do you want to join this league? I'm like, oh, I guess. On the slow sure. draft, I'm... and that's pretty kryptonite. Because I'm like, oh, if it's a slow draft, sure, I'll just like do it in my spare. You know, I don't have to sit down and draft. I can just do it on the go. And so it, I just keep adding them. How many are you in, Austin? Total? Yeah. I think I'm in. Well, uh, I count Shaq's league as two because we have two teams within it. Ugh, so I believe I, I believe crazy. I have, I have eleven C2C rosters. We'll put it that way. <laughs> wow. Um, and Just then C2C. like I, I only have like five or six dynasty leagues though. Like I really oh, like okay. don't have that many beyond that. I always try to keep it pretty. This offseason was the first one where I feel like it's gotten a little out of hand. Um, <laughs> Well, I think it's too too late to reel it in at this point. If if we're talking just dynasty, I'm probably at six leagues. Um, I was at four last year. Um, added two more, uh, maybe three more this year, um, because they're best ball. I will only join best ball leagues now because I I cannot handle setting any more rosters. Um, I, I am just, right there with you on that one. 100%. It's just. So, so my name is Matt Bruning, and I have a problem. Uh, so I'm in 12 C2C leagues, and right now I tried to limit it. I was in 53 Dynasty leagues last oh. year, and I dropped that down to 44 at the moment. That's not counting my C2C sides of the Dynasty as well. How so do you, if you want to add the 12 on there. I have no life, Jarek, if that's the question you're asking. How do you do, ask, anything? How do, you do it? I don't. I don't. I don't do anything. Like, you have children? How do you? Do they, they practically take care of themselves at this point. I'm just kind of here to make sure they don't kill themselves. Exactly. They've got their. I'm just here to make sure they don't kill themselves. That's pretty much all I'm here for. My wife would kill me if I tried to do that. Yeah, that's. I sure. I very strategically hide that from her. How many I have? Usually she asks, I'm like, oh, I'm in like seven. It's not too much. Well, that brings us to our special guest, uh, Matt's wife. <laughs> 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 Um, do you have any tools or anything you use to help you manage such a high number of leagues? I, I feel like I'm in a lot at like 17 and that, that 53 just sounds mind boggling. I mean, it's really, it sounds like a lot. And I think maybe for me, it's not that much because of number one, I draft a lot of the same players. I own, I, I shouldn't say, I hate saying own. I roster Baker on a ton of leagues, Chubb. You know, uh, my favorite players I, I have on a lot of the leagues. And realistically, you guys all play in Dynasty League, so you know, for the most part, waiver wires, there's not much on there. At least in the ones that I'm in, the, the waiver wire is not that deep. You're talking about 30, 35-man rosters, so the chances of you getting anybody off the waiver wires is slim. So it's really just going in every week and then setting my lineup. And, it you know, it takes a while sometimes, but Thursdays I'm sitting around doing nothing. Wednesday I'm sitting around watching TV. I, I don't go to bed usually till like 11 o'clock at night. So I, my kids are already asleep, so that's when I use my alone time to just kind of scroll through all my rosters. I have them set up individually. Most of them are on MFL. It's the site that I prefer to use. Uh, so I just go down in order, just go wins, click. If I have anybody who's an injury risk, I have a spreadsheet with all my rosters in. I go and I highlight them so I can make sure to double check that on Sunday mornings. So it's not as, as uh, hard a task as people may think it is. I don't know. I, I, I struggle with 17. 53 is Im impressive, sir. Impressive. Um, yeah, we might 53 have to, is uh, nuts. I we, think we, last, uh, go ahead. We might have to agree to disagree on that one, Matt. <laughs> 
I think that I um I think that I at last count I mean I'm in the teens for sure but that includes all dynasty a couple of redraft like friend leagues that are still you know I'm still in uh and all, that's all in but yeah fi- I mean when you said I was like maybe he's going to go like 25 I mean you get 53 that's absolutely <laughs> bonkers yeah that is wild um for sure um Austin, so uh, you guys have a certain Chris Moxley uh, who works for you guys and wrote an article, Keeping the Faith, about uh, Rashad Bateman. Um, And we want to know how the rest of the C2C team feels about him and if uh, a wide receiver in a Lamar Jackson-led offense can ever put up a wide receiver one season. We have a guy named Chris Moxley on staff? Uh, this is news, this is news to me. This is news to me. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that, it was a really good article. Um, oh man, why you had to ask the Steelers fan this question? <laughs> um, I can answer it for you. <laughs> I, I I'm cautiously optimistic, but I don't. I missed out on him in all my drafts. I actually just didn't like pick in the range that he was really going in. I had a lot of early picks. Or like I kind of punted those late firsts, um, so I, I don't have much of him. But I, I could see, I could see him being a wide receiver too. I don't, I don't know that he has wide receiver one, consistent wide receiver one um, in in his range of outcomes for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I, I agree with Austin. If I can piggyback off that, Absolutely. we we do a uh, we do a draft, or we did a draft series over with the Debbie debate, Felix, Austin, and myself, and. I was the one who talked about Rashad Bateman. I was the highest on him out of the three of us. And I, I agree with what Austin said. Though. I don't think he becomes a wide receiver one. Uh, just Lamar Jackson has never produced a wide receiver one. And he's never produced a wide receiver with over 1,000 yards uh, receiving. So I, I think you have to, unless you're getting an insane amount of touchdowns, you've got to probably get 1,000 yards receiving. But I definitely think he can produce as a wide receiver two. You know, I talked about on that show, I thought he could be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. And I think he fits Lamar Jackson's skill set very well. I I think Lamar at times, he's accurate, but he struggles at times to get the ball perfectly to his wide receivers. And I think what Rashad Bateman and even Tyler Wallace do from uh, body control and being able to stretch um, and get get the balls when they're not thrown perfectly to these wide receivers, I think fits his skill set very well. Having Mark Andrews there and... um, my God, why am I forgetting who it is now? Marquise Hollywood Brown to be kind of that field stretcher for them and not necessarily have Bateman do that. I think Bateman can easily produce as a, a wide receiver too, possibly even in his rookie season. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I'd say too, like I think everyone, you know, everyone just points out so much about like, you know, what Lamar Jackson's done since he's been there and the, you know, the low volume and I get it. He's never going to throw the ball 600 times like, like Mahomes or something like that. But I kind of believe that there's a, there's a decent chance they haven't thrown the ball because they haven't had the plethora of weapons that they needed to make the offense, you know, really dangerous from a passing perspective. You know, Mark Andrews, okay, but he's a tight end. Uh, Marquise Brown is, uh, he's a, he's a tertiary piece to me. He is not a go-to alpha X wide receiver. He never has been. He shouldn't have been drafted to be that way. And so I think with Bateman in the fold now, we could see an uptick in pass attempts, in which case, you know, some of this concern about low volume and how drastically low it is may not actually be the case. 
I'm in on Bateman as a, I agree as a wide receiver too. I think one probably would be pretty aggressive, but uh, I just, I think relying on the history given their roster is, is not a great idea. I think we have to think about, they may call different plays now that they have a guy like Bateman in the fold. Absolutely. Uh, I agree with you there. And Matt bought up uh, wide receiver ones being uh needing a lot of touchdowns. And I think uh, despite uh, L Jax's lack of yards and lack of uh, accuracy at times, uh, he has been able to uh, have a high output in touchdowns. Uh, so it wouldn't really shock me to see uh, Bateman with 10 plus touchdowns in any given year. Agreed. I don't think Bateman or uh, I don't think Jackson's as bad of a passer as everyone makes him out to be. When you look at his like depth, depth adjusted uh, completion percentage, it's actually pretty pretty good. Um, so I think uh, Bateman will have a chance to surprise a lot of people. Awesome. Well, my fantasy rosters are here for that. Uh, I'm hoping that you're right. Uh, Felix, in a startup, who are your favorite dart throws in the later round range? And you can give us both NFL and college side if you feel so inclined. I mean, I, I, I love to go. I think I named a lot of them. You did at least name on, a lot. On the, on the my, college side. On the, I've got jotted down now. Yeah. Uh, let me think. So on the NFL side, I mean, I was very high on Warren Jackson early on. I still am. Matt Fox, who's a, uh, who also works for Austin there at campusdecan.com, um, he, he pointed out to me that um, Warren Jackson is looking fine and, you know, there are many camps and and whatnot. Um, okay. um, and so I'm still, I still think that, uh, that Warren Jackson has a chance. I, I like Brian Edwards profile, even though he face planted as a year one uh, player. Um, I, I have to I, look, look, go around the room and, and we'll get some other dart throws. Cause I, I got to think of some, uh, I'm, I'm going to bring up my list of, uh, my rankings and I'll, I'll come back. Let's do it. Austin, you're unmuted. So go for it, my man. My favorite late round guys tend to be quarterbacks that are probably going to be in high powered systems over the next few years. So guys like clay Millen, um, I'm trying to think some of the other, uh, Kyle Kelly, who's at ball States, uh, Jalen Henderson at, uh, Fresno, Guys like that, Luke Altmeyer might be the guy that that follows up at uh, for Lane Kiffin there at, at Old Miss. Guys like that, I think that uh, people aren't necessarily thinking that far ahead with a lot of these guys, and I just think that's a very exploitable uh, area in C two C leagues right now. Where I I tend to, I mean, we'll see how this this looks next year, but I think I'm cleaning up in that regard this off season. Awesome. Yeah, you mentioned uh, that being an exploitable area. If I'm not mistaken, Matt also had a, a tweet about that recently, uh, listing players like uh, Evan Prater, uh, whose you know his value is going to be relatively low uh, because he's behind Desmond Ritter, but has you know sky's the limit once he takes over. He has great NFL size and all that jazz. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that that definitely does represent uh, an exploitable. Uh, process uh in c2c leagues for sure uh jarek you're unmuted do you have any late round dart throws you'd like to contribute i think i'm gonna bring this over to the devi side of things um 
some later round Debbie targets. And I've, I focus mostly on wide receivers. So I'm going to give you a few of my favorite later wide receivers. Um, one Jordan Addison, he has been um, killing it and kind of under the radar. Um, and I, I really like his profile. 2023 um, kid from Pitt. Yes. Thank you for filling that info in for me. <laughs> You're quite um, but he came, he came out of the, the gate pretty strong. Um, I believe he was over the line for his, his first year in the, his freshman year. Yeah. Just over the line. Um, and I think he's, he's strong um, going into year two. Um, and then another one I like um, Wandale Robinson. He just transferred to um, Kansas or Kentucky. Kentucky, big Kentucky. blue. Yes. Yes. Um, he is, has been over the line. I think he had like a 29% um, weighted dominator in year two. Um, just below the 30%, um, but he was on the crap offense who was using him as a rusher a lot and, and um, not getting him into the passing a ton. So I think um, he can be used a little bit better. He'll, he'll kind of su- surprise. I know I said this about Bateman, but um, surprise a lot of people going into the draft next year. Hopefully declares this year. Yeah, I think he's a, a, a great name to keep uh, keep an eye on as well. Um, Alfred, did you have anyone that you wanted to add? Oh, yeah. I always got some – love these deep dart throws. Uh, one guy uh, that I've found myself just drafting a ton of, uh, most of these leagues obviously we're talking about are 2QB or at least super flex. Uh, and so Dorian Thompson-Robinson for UCLA – he can be had 10th round of a, of a college side of a draft and in Devi, you know, probably fairly late in Devi, even on the college side, he's 10th rounder. Um, dual threat guy. And I, you know, he could make a leap this year. He's kind of my candidate to do that. Like Zach will Zach Wilson or Joe Burrow, totally different type of player, but I just mean the, where did he come from? And all of a sudden he's like first round draft capital kind of quarterback. I think there's a chance of that this year. Plus he's going to be great on the college side for sure. Um, as a dual threat guy, uh, and with, with some NFL upside, I think JT O'Sullivan has, uh, done a, a video uh, or a, a film review on him and, and came away fairly impressed. And he, he's way more expert at that than me. Um, and then one other guy I find myself picking up a lot is uh, really anyone in that Georgia wide receiver room. You know, without Pickens there, Burton's going to get a lot of work. But you've got a like trio of fairly high recruited guys on a major Power Five team uh, that I think is going to throw the ball more than we've seen in years because of the OC that they have, and now they've got JT Daniels in place. So whether it's Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint. Uh, Adonai Mitchell, I think, or I think, and then there's Arian yeah. Smith. Any one of those three guys, pick one of them up, whether it's Devi or C2C, and and you may, you know, they're all heading into year two or year one, and and if you see one of them pop, all of a sudden they're gonna, like I said, I mean, once they pop early in a Power Five team, they're gonna fly up draft boards, and you can get them now, like twentieth round. 
Yeah, absolutely. And all it takes is one big game against Ole Miss, which anyone can do. Uh, and then you have that's right. Jermaine Burton, uh, who's you know going in the top two, three rounds of Debbie Draft right now. Uh, yep. Absolutely. And Matt, I believe we uh, neglected you. Do you have any late round dart throws for us? Uh, I'll give you a couple QBs. I'm not sure if they were mentioned. I had to run over and check on my, my son really quick. Uh, you know, guys that are going in the, the hundreds in most drafts. I mean, Phil Jerkovich uh, out of Boston College, I'm sure, is a guy a lot of people probably know. He's um, been talked about a lot on Twitter. I'm really big on Grant Wells, QB out of Marshall. He's going to like the 200 range. I think he can produce for you on the college side and has a shot to make it into the NFL. May not be a future NFL starter, but definitely could make it in as a backup, and those guys matter. Michael Pratt, QB out of Tulane. Same thing. He's going roughly around the 200s. He was actually one of the top 12 fantasy scores on the college side last year as a true freshman. I think that can continue. Uh, Peter Costelli, out of uh, he's at Utah right now. I think he's the future there behind uh charlie brewer Austin was just talking about that you know grabbing guys who possibly have a future to do something he's a little bit of a dual threat quarterback can use his legs very good arm uh baron morton i think is how you say his name out of texas tech as well as the guy i've targeted a lot late in my drafts because i think he's going to take over there at texas tech high flying offense should put up a lot of points very good prospect he's a incoming freshman yes yeah 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 he won't play this year he'll sit behind tyler's show and then i think he'll take over next year awesome um, they're shut. Austin, um, who is the 22 RB3 behind Brees Hall and Spiller? Oh, do I have to answer? Um, so I'm actually going to take a shot. You know, I, I think one of Eric Gray, Kyron Williams, or Zamir White would probably be the, the most given answers. Like if we were on Family Feud and they said survey says and, you know, they, they pointed to the board. Um, but I, I still think that Jerome Ford can, can occupy that, that RB3 spot when all is said and done. Um, he's, he's, a good, he's a very good athlete for the position. He can catch the ball. He's, he's got NFL size, and he is going to crush it this year. I mean, it, they, they have a history of really high-powered or high-end running back production there at Cincinnati over the past couple of years. They had Michael Warren, and they had Jared Dokes. Both of those guys are like half the player that, that, that Ford is. He went to Bama as a freshman, transferred out. Um, I, it, there, there is definitely a scenario where, where Ford puts up about 1,400 yards this year and goes day two. And actually, I would be willing to bet on that being the case. Um, he might not be the RB3 off the board as far as the NFL draft goes, but I think he is my my better bet to be RB3 when all is said and done. Awesome. Does anyone else have an equally spicy uh, RB3 22 take? So no Kyron Williams, Eric Gray, uh, say no Zamir White, although I don't think anyone's probably putting him at I RB3 think anymore. Maybe it's a little spicy, but I could absolutely see a Javante Williams-like rise for another guy in the state of North Carolina, and that's Zonovan Knight. Ooh, Bam. Yeah, Bam Knight. Uh, I mean, I think he's just really, really good. If they would if they would feed him and not give the ball to effing Ricky Person, I think I think he 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 plays like Javante Williams. I mean, he's got that kind of running style. I think he might be a little faster on the long speed and i think he could he could really rise up draft boards like with a big you know 12 1200 plus yard season 10 touchdowns kind of thing 
Yeah, I'm surprised yeah, he's not already higher on draft boards. Uh, I know Chris Moxley, if he's listening, is not a fan of Zon of the Night, and I, I don't know why. He's overrated. Uh, oh. Two guys that uh, <laughs> two guys I think you can throw up there. I've, I've, I've touted him a lot on Twitter. I'm, I'm all in on him. Uh, Raymond Davis, who's with Vanderbilt now, who I think has got a shot to, to jump up there. I think he's going to produce for them this year. And then Austin Jones, he's a guy that – Nobody seems to be talking about out of Stanford. Uh, we were doing a rankings thing we were supposed to do the other day, and so I was doing a lot of look into that 2022 class. Uh, and Austin Jones, if you go in and look at the the Jarek's magic line and where he produced last year, it was it was incredible for four games and some of the things that uh, I've been told matter when it comes to advanced metrics for running backs. He's a guy who can do it all, but he doesn't have the only weakness in his game is he doesn't have breakaway speed. If he goes out there and has a great year for uh, Stanford, I think he's a guy who can really kind of jump up those boards and end up being that RB3. And Tyler Algier, although I don't know if that's really spicy because a lot of people have been talking about him lately. Uh, it's still, it's, I'll, I'll give it. That, that's uh, a mild picante. Uh some some spice uh, <laughs> that's about all i can handle so that works for me i, I can't do hot sauce mild and, and i'm still running for water and you live in texas man i'm all about that queso boss i'm not i'm not about salsa <laughs> i mean i'm also i mean look felix isn't here anymore but felix talked about it when i did those ohio state videos i was me and casper could have a very very good you know white off there about how white i am dude i'm white I'm white. I'm white as they come. It, it, <laughs> I'm not good with spice and stuff. Just not. <laughs> Alfred, Quinn Ewers is the best QB prospect since who? Oh, boy. Well. <laughs> Kyle McCord? Man. Since Kyle McCord? I mean, it could be. he. You know, if you just go by the numbers, he's the best quarterback prospect since Vince Young because the only other guy to ever get a perfect rating on 247sports.com is Vince Young. That's it. He's the only other quarterback to have a perfect 1.000 rating. But Austin and I have gone back and forth talking about, like, you know, we're not totally sure what's up with that hair. I mean, could he be like a Tate Martell personality? Because that is not going to work out. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm, I'm kidding. I actually read a article about him uh, in a magazine recently. Seems pretty down to earth. I don't think he's as as you know, kind of like bad boy as you might think with that with that Brian Bosworth hair. Um, <laughs> it's like a school tradition or something to bleach your hair or something. So it's it's actually not like he's not doing it for flashiness uh, as much as as it seems. But yeah, no, I mean. He's he's super special. Uh, that arm is a absolute laser. Someone wrote recently that it the ball picks up velocity at the end of the throw. Like he they they were saying that like it it actually shifts gears in the air. Like it's just got like the absolute opposite of of a dying duck. You know, it actually gains velocity, which is wild. Um, he can throw multiple arm angles off platform i mean you know everything you could dream of in a quarterback he's pretty much got it so i'm very excited for him and and i mean he's the best quarterback prospect since pretty much anyone you can think about yeah i'd like to chime in on that uh he is not a a tate martell-esque personality at all i don't know why people think that if you living here in yeah okay so let's judge a book by its cover i'm not saying you are alfred but i living here in texas and, and literally like 15 minutes down the road from south lake texas where he's at 
if you just go talk to anybody around there, read the articles like Alfred was just talking about. I mean, he sits around for hours at times and answers questions and interviews for people that I mean, have nothing to do with football. He's a very nice person from everything I've read and, and seen. The hair is a tradition thing at South Lake Carroll. They bleach the hair, and then he just has a mullet. I mean, I just went and got my hair cut the other day, and there were six kids in there asking to get mullets. The mullet's coming back, baby. So let's stop <laughs> judging him because he's got a mullet. Uh, the golden hair thing, it works for him. I mean, let's just be honest. If something like that works for you and can help you stand out a little bit, why not go with it? The dude's probably hitting, you know, smacking ladies away with a stick. So uh, he is not a bad kid at all. I don't like that people tend to compare him to Tate Martell. Uh, I just thought I'd throw that out there really quick. No, I Quinn Ewers for life. Everything I've seen uh, seems to echo that, that he's a humble stand-up guy. Uh, and I look forward to seeing what he's got. Um Austin, your favorite players in the 2022 recruiting class. Oh boy. It is a really good class. Really, really. I think it, it dwarfs this year's class by quite a bit. Um, I'm about to release a video on my, my top running backs, but Jadon blue is the the class of the class for me. Um, he, I have him above Travion Henderson, uh, just below Bijan in terms of, uh, running backs over the past few years, Uh, the way that he, that he fe- has a feel for the game as a high schooler is just uh, very few players uh, you see come through uh, with with the kind of patience and 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 skill and vision and all of that that he has. Um, and he's already got NFL size. He's he's five eleven, uh, two oh five already. Um, so I, I like him a lot. Uh, Ewers obviously my top quarterback. Um, and then I, I, it's been a joke in our, in the, the C2C discord that I, I can't find a tier one wide receiver, but I, I do have one guy that I really love talent Shetron who just, um, left, he was committed to Oklahoma and switched over to Oklahoma state, uh, six, three, 180, ish, just a big athletic kid. You can just watch him and tell that he's different. You know, the way he explodes off the line, the way he can attack the ball while it's in the air, the way. He moves in open space. Um, so those are my three top guys at every position, and the tight end's not worth talking about. So we'll skip that. But Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, Jarek, what is your favorite Olympic sport? Ooh, that's a tough one. It will definitely between, be between swimming and pole vaulting. Not sure. I really like watching pole vaulting. I was Okay. In high school, I pole vaulted. And in high school, I swam. So that's that's kind of why Makes they're my sense. favorite, I guess. <laughs> Whoa, you were a pole vaulter? I pole Makes vaulted. Makes a little bit more sense now. That yeah. is a fun fact. I pole vaulted at Marquette University. What? Oh, Wait, really? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, us. <laughs> I know. Oh, my huh? gosh. Best, best athlete of the group. We all thought it was a freaking FBS competitor. Yeah, D1. Woo. It was fun until I got like... Uh, uh, tendonitis in my knee and i had to quit my senior year but, ah. but it was fun it was fun up until then you know it was great that's awesome uh <laughs> anyone else have an olympic sport they are partial to i wish i would have caught the three-on-three basketball i heard that was pretty fun but i i was unable to catch it yeah i've been I, watched i've sorry, been watching handball this week wait. handball handball is cool. I don't know how you decide that that you want to play that when you're young. I mean, I guess it's a different, you know, culturally it's different other places, but it's awesome. I really enjoy watching it. Well, once every four years, I, I wouldn't watch it every Sunday or anything. But. I share that sentiment a hundred percent. Every, every Olympics like, Oh, I get to watch handball again. 
yeah and then i forget about it for the next three years like doesn't even enter my mind one single time but yes i I, it's been fun what country would get the silver medal for american football well it has to be canada yeah right i mean that's just that's the american samoa yeah i mean i can't well i guess they do it yeah i mean the cfl and the euro league i don't know i bet like england could have some some players like some rugby turned, you know, turned football players maybe. Yeah, and they haven't worked in the NFL, players. so none of those guys have worked in the NFL. I, I take Canada hands down. They've got the CFL. I mean, the field's a little bit bigger. Yeah, but are rules there are a little bit different. Canadians? But... Are there are there Canadian nationals that play in the CFL, or is it all yeah. just people who don't college make football. it in in American yeah. college football? Or are there, are there are there any British people who would play? Football. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I feel it, like they would all like, go soccer, or rugby. They laugh at the, they laugh sport. at the NFL. It's such an American only sport. Football is. That's what makes it so beautiful. So, how much time do you guys spend watching college football each week? And how do you track, keep Ugh. track of all the teams, players, games that are going on? If if you think me having a lot of dynasty leagues is bad, you don't want to come around me there. Well, I guess I should put it this way. I'm lucky that my wife works opposite schedules of me. So whenever she is not here, that's all I do is watch football. And Saturdays, <laughs> I purposely send her out with her friends and spa days all the time so that she doesn't divorce me because I literally sit around from the minute I wake up at like 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock in the morning to watch the pregame stuff because I love ESPN's game day. Big fan of uh, Kirk Herbstreit, Desmond Howard. Not, yeah. Uh, Desmond Howard, all those guys. Uh, and then I watch literally up until about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning before I go to bed with all the Pac-12 After Dark games. Anyone else? That's amazing. I mean, I, I tried to watch a lot more last year. Um, and and I found I was able to squeeze some in. It's usually in the background. Like, I don't, I don't I'm unable to just sit there and, and only watch. Uh, you know, there's kids running around and other stuff. But Matt's got a great point. If and if you have a significant other who does not want to sit down and watch football with you, the best thing you can do is just do a little tit for tat. You know, you go to the spa, whatever, get them something wonderful. And then, uh, you know, you can sit down and, and watch TV. And it's a good it's a good way to do it if you're going to try to try to watch a lot of college football on Saturday. My wife actually put nowadays. My wife actually put in her vows that she would allow me to watch all the football I wanted on the weekends. Oh. Uh, and I think she even mentioned Thursdays what? as well. She's a keeper. Oh. You know, she, she, <laughs> yeah. Austin, when we get up there, I need you to purposely like help me get Kelsey and Paula into a room together. I need her to convert her if that'd be possible. I will uh, pay I'll see you what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> what is the yeah. youngest uh, Devi player that you guys have rostered other than Arch Manning? I so what? I don't even have I don't even have Arch as the number one quarterback in his class, which is a whole nother discussion for a whole nother oh, day. Boy, you um, a can of worms. <laughs> yeah, um, but Jadon Blue is is the youngest I have. I have a hard time taking uh, even like I, I play in a couple deeper Debbie formats. I like I I don't I I buck the argument for college that I, I that you don't want to take freshmen because more bad things can happen. But I think I buy that argument for high school because there is so much development that needs to happen between the ages of, you know, 14 and 15 and 18, 19, and then on to 21, 22. Um, so I, the, the 
earliest I'll go is current high school seniors. I, I if, if if people want those picks that are deeper than that, I will happily trade them to them for guys that I feel better about predicting. Yeah, I yeah. have to say I went I went uh, I went Ewers this year uh, in a in a two QB uh, Devi. So yeah, I went Ewers. That's the that's the deepest I've gone. For all the leagues I'm in, surprisingly, I'm not in any uh, Debbie leagues that you can draft high schoolers in. So the the lowest I go is freshman of this current class. So, I, I mean, I'll go Kyle McCord since I have so many shares of him now. <laughs> he yeah, that's the same starting, uh, ever. He will. Yes, he will. He'll be starting this year, week one. You heard it here first. I'm here for After that. After transfers? Oh, no, CJ. Well, no, CJ Stroud won't even transfer. He'll transfer next year. Jack Miller's going to transfer for the season start. So. <laughs> Real quick, uh, round robin. Who are you highest on compared to your uh, co C two C dot com rankers, and who are you lowest on? Uh, we'll start with Jarek. Oh my gosh! Let's see. That's a good question. Um, let me pull up my rankings here. Any position, just to clarify. Yeah, any position. Okay. I can pop in here while Derek's looking because I actually just looked this up the other day because we're going to probably do a little uh, podcast talking about this very this very thing, little round robin kind of thing. But um, so I'm going to save the guy I'm going to talk about on the podcast. But there's another guy that I've gotten a lot of crap about, and that's Jeff Sims. We talked about him at the very beginning. I don't know if everyone was in here at the time, but I've got him pretty darn high, and it may be reckless, maybe a little too high. I just see the upside with a dual threat guy who started as a true freshman, and I think we can see a second year leap. So I'm I'm just kind of getting out ahead of that, uh, thinking that he is going to take a step this year, and I just really like what I saw in year one. Um, so yeah, Jeff Sims for me at the quarterback position because after the top four, I think it's just it's the wild west, and so I'm just I'm I'm picking a guy I like the upside. Mine is Troy Omire. Royal Mirror. <laughs> you had to get up here for that. Six foot five, two hundred and thirty pound wide receiver who has a zip code for a catch radius. Um, <laughs> it would have started over Brennan Eagles last year had he remained uh, healthy. I'm not really into the contested catchers, but when you are Calvin Johnson size and would have competed in the two hundred meter dash uh, state champion. As a senior, had you not graduated early, that's just a profile that I'm really intrigued by. And uh, until recently, he was a player that was, you know, kind of falling in dra- in drafts or um, not as highly valued as he as he is now. Um, I have him, I think, 14. I have him in the top 15 or so in my rankings, and I'm pretty sure I'm the highest on him. But um, I just, I, I just think that he's, and he has vacuum cleaners for hands. He's just very sticky <laughs> hands, always making one hand, one-handed catches, uh, and just kind of a guy that you can throw in the vicinity of. But that's not all he's limited to. So, I, uh, Troy O'Meara is, is mine. I think uh, mine is. Oh, go ahead, Jerk. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um, a player that I'm higher on than well. The highest on than anyone else is Quentin Johnston. Um, I think he really showed up last year, um, and I think he's gonna keep killing it. I mean, I'm I'm not too much higher than you know Chris, um, but 
oh, one spot higher than Chris, yeah. Um, but a few spots higher than than everybody else. And then it, we, we're also going on who are lower on, right? You can, yeah. I, I asked for it. I don't think I got it from everyone, but yeah, absolutely. Who are you who's the lowest on? <laughs> I'll, I'll follow the directions, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> lower on than everyone else would be Chris Olave. Um, he is my 15th ranked wide receiver. I just, being in the power five, staying till your fourth year, um, not breaking a 30% um, way to dominate her until his third year, just some red flags are going up for me, and I I will not be taking him at cost. Austin, you want to go next? Sure. <clears throat> so my guy that I'm pretty sure I'm higher on than everybody else looking at our rankings is Alton McCaskill, the freshman running back at Houston. I have him as, where do you go here? I have him as my RB61. Everybody else, he's 121, 118, 114, 123, 123. So half everybody else. Um, he's just he's one of the better pass catchers in this year's class. He's a good athlete, sub four five guy. And he's going to an offense that is high, pretty high powered year over year. Uh, there's a huge amount of guys there, but they're all like super seniors. They're all gonna be gone. It's his job in 2022 and beyond, um, and I think he is going to produce there two years minimum, and he either goes to the NFL, and that's good, or he stays and I get a third year, and that's great. Um, so so I, he's the guy that I'm highest on compared to everybody, and I think the guy that I'm lowest on is, uh, compared to everyone is Jaden Hasselwood. Um, I have him in the 70s, and I think he's pretty universally in the 30s or 40s for everybody else. Um, yeah, I have him at 73 and then it's 32, 47, 29, 13, 44, 21. Um, I just, I, 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 um, <laughs> please don't be me. It was you. God <laughs> damn it. Um, he, I, I liked Weiss more coming out of high school and then, uh, Hasselwood towards ACL and then didn't look very good this spring. Granted, obviously the ACL is probably part of that. But I, I just don't see him as much of a separator, and I think he's going to get jumped on that depth chart this year. So those are my two guys. Uh, my two, I'll, I'll keep it short since it's guys we've already mentioned. Um, for me, it, it's quarterback is Kyle McCord. I have him at 11. Nobody else has him in their top 20, uh, and that is because I'm the only one at the site who believes that he is going to start. Uh, and then Mario Williams, for me, at run, uh, wide receivers guy, I'm the lowest on. I had him actually at 100 a couple weeks ago, and I moved him up. He's now sitting at 58 for me. Uh, everybody else is in the 20s, low 30s. Thank you for that. Um so who wants to break down the tailgate? I've seen the 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 preview, uh, the teasers on Twitter. Uh, I'm dying to know what 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 the tailgate is. Well, I'm I'm happy to do that because I think I uh, I will be one of the weekly hosts. So we are going to do uh, a morning live show. I mean, the the dream or the concept is a fantasy relevant college game day, uh, you know, where we are sitting there talking about all the games coming up. Everything is through a fantasy lens. Um, we're going to have about, I don't think we've figured out exactly when the, or how long it's going to be at least an hour, but it may be longer than that. Um, and we're still kind of, uh, at the drawing board a little bit, but 
we're going to have a little of everything in terms of college directly, just college fantasy production, sit start type stuff, uh, but also DFS implications, talking probably about some lineups that maybe you, you want to roll out if you're playing the DFS college slate. Injury updates all the way up until kickoff. As we know, the injury reports in college are a disaster. So we will try to be reporting on those as much as possible up until kickoff. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a college football pregame show that is, that matters for fantasy. You know, there's not tons out there for that. And we, we want to do it because we're already involved anyway. Jake, bookend your day. Your People are going to be able to bookend their day. With Campus to Canton, first the tailgate in the morning, and then Campus to Canton, coast to coast uh, in the evening. The tailgate is going to get you ready for your your college fantasy uh, side and, and getting your lineup set. And then in the evening, we're going to go from coast to coast and recap everything that happened and get folks ready to go um, and, or give give everyone everything they need to know to, to make waiver wire pickups or who are the freshmen that they need to be focusing on who performed well that day. Uh, we're, we're trying to give our customers everything that they need in those two live shows. Um, that it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be fun. You can catch us in the evening as the lead into SNL campus to Canton in the morning and in the evening. I mean, what, what more could you ask for? Sounds great to me. Absolutely. So, Jarek, in your opinion, what should be the market share number used to determine a college breakout? Ooh, I definitely go with 30%. That's that's what I use. It's uh that's what Rotoviz um used and found to be um the the optimal number to to um categorize or to get hits and and kick out the misses that make that break the 20%, but um, don't actually go on to do do much in the NFL. So I'm a 30% person. Um, I will, when I'm doing my evaluation, kind of tier it where, you know, players who break 30% um, in year two are better than players who break 20% in year two are better than players who don't break it at all. Um, so I still use 20% to kind of tier my players. Um, but if I'm looking for elite NFL players, they have to hit that 30% mark. Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah, it feels like a lot of places it's standardized 20%, but uh, after seeing some of your tweets about it, uh, it really does seem like 30% uh, is where you want to be uh, as far as that translating mm -hmm. to the proverbial draft capital. Um, mm -hmm. Matt, give us a ranking of the Ohio State wide receivers in terms of NFL upside. Oh, NFL upside. Uh, I think JSN's got to be number one. If you're just going based on right now, JSN number one, Marvin Harrison number two, Mecca three, Julian Fleming five, G. Scott Jr. four, because he's going to move back to wide receiver. No, Wilson. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave die? Oh, my bad. I wasn't thinking about them because they're already going to be into the NFL. My bad. Okay, so then Garrett Wilson's number one, JSN two, Olave three, Harrison four, Mecca five, all getting us out about G. Scott Jr., uh, Julian Fleming six. <laughs> why uh, Why Marv over Mecca? Uh, I just think Marvin Harrison is already more... Um, 
more polished as a route runner and just an overall better wide receiver already. I mean, he's already getting talks over Mecca. I know he was number one in his class, uh, but Marvin Harrison is already doing it, and I think that matters. Mecca probably has the higher upside, but the fact that Harrison's already out there getting some first-team reps going to be, I think, one of the lead guys at the second team of wide receivers, getting a guy like uh, Brian Hartline, coaching him up. And he's got the name value as well, let's just be honest. It's going to matter if he produces well at a team like the Ohio State University and his last name is Harrison. Uh, that's going to matter when it comes to the NFL. I could see him getting drafted higher. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, thank you for that. Um Austin, in what ways has releasing, maintaining, and producing content for CampusAcanton.com made you better at fantasy football? I, I'm digging into things a little earlier than I would in the past uh, this summer. I mean, I almost have a top 100 uh, freshman big board for the 2022 class already. Um, I'm, uh, and that obviously then forced me to watch. You know, I, I have a pretty solid uh, rookie big board for next year already already fleshed out because I won't have time to do that this this year. Um, and it's just helped me. I think the big thing is uh, strategy because um, you know we're. Obviously, really, the one of the only sites that does any C two C content. I think that the strategy thing is is something that that not a lot of people talk about. Um, so that's been the, the the big thing for me. I feel like I've really honed in, and the fact that I do like forty drafts uh, with all these mocks and stuff we do, it's just really helped me hone in on those things. So that that's how it's improved me as a, a fantasy player. Excellent stuff. Does anyone else have anything to add? I think it's just given me a bit, I mean, I, I would have probably wanted to do some of this stuff anyway, but, you know, always thinking of content, uh, what can I write about that's interesting both to me and to potential readers. Um, and so even just the whole idea of like digging into the data and saying, what does a true freshman breakout look like? And, you know, are there trends we can look at? Are, are there patterns in what these guys kind of look like? I'm not sure I would have committed it to uh the scrutiny that i did because i wrote an article about it um so certainly you know you have the these ideas and you kind of wonder it in your head at least that's how i operate but it's given me an excuse to like sit down and say okay i'm gonna actually like really look at this and write it out uh and and make sense of it all instead of just kind of wondering and tumbling around in my head so uh and for that i have actionable info so that that's one reason it's it's helped me get better, I think, too. Great stuff, uh, Felix. How do you balance risk versus upside in Devi leagues when mixing Devi and NFL assets? Um, that's an interesting question. I think the younger players that you take are riskier, and so for that reason, you know, if I'm taking younger players, hopefully they're at Power Five conferences. Um, and they're highly touted, touted freshmen. So uh, th that's one way to handle risk. And then the other way is to get productive players. I mean, if you're not going to go young, get players who have demonstrated production. Um, a reason why I like Jalen Tolbert. Um, it's a reason why I like Carson Strong, quite frankly, because I'm productive for a long time. But, um, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, absolutely. Um, 
So Kev07, uh, you guys may know him as British Kev, has provided <laughs> a list of uh, player props, although because he is British, uh, I don't think he knows how over-unders uh, actually work. So I have gone ahead and uh, filled out some of these, uh, and we'll do a quick round robin uh, to get your guys' take on it. So uh, we will start with, uh, with Sam Howell. Uh, over under uh, top seven pick in the NFL draft. Over means he will be a higher pick. Uh, under means he will fall to later in the draft. Over. Over for for Matt Austin. Over. That was Alfred. Yeah, over his. He has the most insulated value of anybody in this class, in my opinion. Jarek or Felix? Either you guys see him falling yep. out of the top seven? Nope, not me. Who was that? Sam Howell. Sam NFL draft capital. Not in next year's draft with it being a weaker quarterback class. I think this is going to push values up. I mean, just think about the draft with Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen and, uh, and Sam Darnold. I mean, those guys went. And Josh Allen, they all went much higher than they probably should because it was a weaker um, quarterback draft. And uh, I think we'll see the same thing. Next year, I think Sam Howell's going to be pushed up. I think uh, Spencer Rattler is probably going to go number one. Carson Strong, Matt Corral. Uh, I think all those guys are top 15 picks, and Sam Howell's definitely a top seven. Yeah, I, I tend to agree there. I maybe should have set it, set it a little higher. I thought maybe someone would take the under, but yeah, I, I tend to think he'll end up being a top seven pick as well. Uh, so we'll go on to the next one. Spencer Rattler, obviously playing in that Oklahoma offense. Um, Baker Mayfield's last season there, he had 4,600 yards and 40 touchdowns. Uh, does he beat those? Does Spencer Rattler beat those numbers this season? Uh, we'll go back to Matt. Ooh, that is good. I will say under because I am out on Spencer Rattler. Under our first under. Austin, where are you at? Uh, probably over, but I think it'll be it'll be close. Alfred, what were those numbers for Baker? Forty touchdowns, 40, and... forty touchdowns, and forty six hundred yards. Yeah, I think he had forty three touchdowns. Yeah, uh, you know, and I, I I really like Rattler, but as it stands right now, I think I have to say under. I mean that that's ridiculous numbers, and I'd love it if it happens, but I'm not sure he's that type of player honestly i mean last year he was pretty conservative so we'll see i'd love to see him open it up i'd love to see him go for five thousand yards but if i had to take a bet i'd say under awesome jerick where are you at on it yep i'd probably go under as well for the reasons alfred laid out felix bring us home i'm not a betting man but i think that this oklahoma team is going to compete with that what 2019 um, LSU team is one of the best offenses we've seen in, co in college football in a long time. And so I'm actually going to take the over. I mean, Lincoln Riley's got Eric Gray, who's a tremendous pass catch catcher. I don't think that this team is going to do a lot of um, running the ball. I mean, they're going to get – they've got a lot of good pass catchers uh, there, and Spencer Rattler can, can spread it out. I think that that's exactly what they're going to do. I think that that's exactly why they went in the transfer portal and got – uh, and got Eric Gray. I mean, even in the spring game, he was lined up in the slot. Uh, but with Mario Williams and Mike Woods and Marvin Mims, I mean, you're talking about guys who have, have who complement each other well, but have similar skill sets. 
they can all stretch the field. Um, and so I'm going to take the over on uh, on on 40 touchdowns and 4,600 yards passing. So. Excellent. Um, Carson Strong, uh, drafted in the first two rounds, over or under, Matt? Over, easily. He's going in the first round. Austin? Uh, over, I, I think he's a, I think he's a second round pick. So over. Alfred. Sorry, who's this? Carson Strong. Carson Strong. Oh, uh, not first round. Oh, over whatever higher second round plus. So you you'd put him in round two or three or later. Ah. Uh, uh, it's a weak class. I'm, I think I think round two sounds about right. Late round two, I'll put that too. Say late round two. Yeah, I'm going over two. I think, like you said, it was a weak class, and he's probably going to get overdrafted a little bit from where he should go. Felix, how about you, my man? Sounding like an over. Yeah, I got. He's a top fifteen pick for me. Ooh, Isaiah Spiller, uh, twelve touchdowns, over or under. Ooh, wow. Um, I'm going to go under. 10 on his career. I think 10 or 11 sounds about right, so I'm going to go under. Austin? Over by a lot. I'm going to say he has 18 touchdowns this year. Ooh. Alfred? Yeah, I'm going to say over as well. And just to plug, uh, why wait till Sunday, my podcast? I did a Heisman special last week uh, talking about some odds. And Spiller was actually my favorite super long shot um, because he's like 50 to one or something. But if you think about all the things that need to happen, you need a team in the playoff. You need the heart and soul of an offense, which in this case, Spiller is going to be the heart and soul of that Texas A&M offense. And I think, I think, you know, 20 touchdowns is in reach. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's certainly, it's certainly possible. I think he's just going to be the offense at Texas A&M and has the talent to do it. Excellent response. Eric, you want to follow that up? Over <laughs> Part under? two, but I'm, I'm going to go with over as well. Felix? It's a thinker, I know. <laughs> That's one way to put it. We might have lost Felix. Yeah, Felix, we're skipping you, my man. All this has taught me is that I do not have a future as a handicapper. Um... <laughs> Let's do Brees Hall, drafted in the first round. Matt? Uh, I'm going to go under on that. I don't think any running backs go in the first round this year. Awesome. I'm not saying it should happen, but I think the NFL takes one running back this year. And let's sure, say let's it. Say it. Let's say it's him. I, th I think Brick's Spiller's better over player, Isaiah but... Spiller. Let's go. <laughs> Ceh went over Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. So let's not get too carried away here, Mister. Mister. Stupid. But um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say no first rounder. I I really like Hall, but I don't know. I don't think he's going to have the testing that he needs to really wow people. Just because yeah. what I think it's what the teams should do, I'm going to say under, and I'm going to be hopeful that that they're they're getting smarter. You must not be a Packers fan. <laughs> I'm not. 
Felix over under first round for Brees Hall. All right. I think we lost Felix. <laughs> yeah. Yep, he's, he's still uh, thinking. I'll just skip that. Yeah, I'm still thinking about the uh, the Spiller one. Uh, all right. Um, Gibbs, 35 catches for Georgia Tech. Jameer Gibbs? Oh, over. I'll take over? the over. Yeah. Austin? Uh, under, because um, I don't think Jeff Sims is – Good enough to get him the ball that many no. times. He had, he had 24 last year. Yeah, dude. 24 last year in, uh, in seven, seven games. games. Seven games. Yeah. I'm still going to say under. I'm going to say under. 35 is a lot for a college running back, man. I don't know. Alfred, I'm guessing you're going yeah. I mean, I'm just going to – I, I got to be on brand here. I'm, I'm a bit of – I'm in Atlanta, but that's not why I'm excited about Georgia Tech in general. But, yeah, I'm going to go over here. I like the yeah. Tech offense. Yep, I'm going over. Gibbs is elite pass catcher. Awesome. And then finally, we'll bring it home. Uh, Tank Bigsby, uh, top two running back for 2023. Oh, as much as I love Bigsby, that's going to be under. Behind uh, Gibbs no. for you or just behind? Oh, sorry, over. Field? I'm sorry. Over. I'm sorry. Wait, is it over or under? I'm confused now. We'll say it's going to be over means he is top two. Under means he is uh, anything but under. Under. I think Bijan and Gibbs will go ahead of him. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, under, but shameless plug. My my bold prediction for this season that I, I talked about last night on the C2C pod is that he wins the Heisman this year. Ooh. Ooh like it. Wait, yeah. who? Tank. Freaking. Oh. Ah. <laughs> all right. That's all they're going to do is run the ball at Auburn. Exactly. Yeah, but the Heisman, you need a team that's good. Auburn I'm telling you, so, here was my argument in less than 20 seconds. Uh, they play Penn State early. If they can win that game, they have the momentum. The SEC is down this year outside of Georgia. There is a scenario where Auburn wins 10 games, Tank yeah. Bigsby catches 30 balls and has 1,500 yards on the ground because Harson feeds one running back incessantly so wow my, my, dude the prediction, find odds can you find odds on big they're they're plus five thousand at least you yes, should put 10 bucks on it put so 10 bucks it, on it, 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 it this, the, the pathway is there that's all i'm saying i don't i don't even love tank bigsby that much that's a hot take i like it that's what we're uh, here for i say uh he's not in the top two running backs for that class still gibbs or yep. uh someone else taking that number two spot um, I think it's Bijan. Yeah, I think it's Bijan and Gibbs as as my top two. Gibbs getting the the boost because of just such a great pass catcher. Derek. Yep, under here as well. I got Bijan and Gibbs one two, and I think it's gonna stay that way. That makes sense to me. So we've already got one one person's Heisman uh, pick. Who who else you guys got? Who who's taking home the the, the trophy this year? Oh, I'll let one of you guys go first. I gotta think about Ooh. that for a second. Well, I just did a whole podcast about it, so I'm pretty much ready. I I'm just gonna you, take it, Alfred's it, answer. I mean, it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to go against Rattler, but if I you know saying I don't do Rattler, I think DJU is a is a great option and just looking at it through the lens of, of betting lines i think they just updated 
somewhere and dj went from like six to one to 12 to one which i don't know why but if he's really if you can find him at like 10 to 12 to one i think that would be a fantastic bet because he's the quarterback on easily the second best team in the country and uh we've seen first year quarterbacks win it i mean i think there's five out of the last uh 15 or five out of the last 17 winners have been first year starting quarterbacks you know uh tim tebow uh, Tim Tebow, Jameis, Cam Newton. There's been like five Johnny or six football. of them. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it can happen in, in the first year. And and we saw him last year. So he's not coming out of nowhere. Uh, I really like DJU as a small dark horse. And then, of course, my big, huge dark horse is, uh, is Spiller. Um, I mean, if you want to go first year quarterbacks, why not the guy who's going to be uh, you know, oh my God. leading one of the most <laughs> explosive offenses uh, in college, probably going to go undefeated, and oh that's gosh. Bryce Young yeah. at Alabama. Wow, uh, you guys thought uh, Kyle McCoy? He's going to be the quarterback of the Ohio State University, one of the best offenses. I mean, outside of him, I think Sam Howe is the bet to go plus twelve hundred. I think uh, this is their year. I think they knock off Clemson, but Ooh. I mean, all honesty, why not? Why why not, not take Kyle McCord? He's not even listed. You could probably throw a buck down and win a million on that one. Oh yeah, they got CJ Stroud I, listed at plus eight hundred. If they think CJ Stroud can win it, when Kyle McCord wins the job, he's going to get odds. Why not throw a little bit of money down? No one on would it? even give you odds right now. I don't think. Don't give you odds on anything. The field. Yeah. You just got to find someone. Yeah, de- de- desperate enough. <laughs> <laughs> Jarek, what about you, my man? Uh, is is Rattler's the favorite, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I saw some tweet recently that like JT Daniels was a new favorite, which I what? can't even believe is true. But I did see that tweet. No, it's the the top ones right now. I'm looking at the list. Uh, that's what I was trying to figure out. It, it's Rattler, Young, Stroud, uh, DJU. Those are the top four, five, four, and then five is Sam Howell. Those are the top. Five. Okay. Yeah, I think I got to go Rattler. I think he's just going to show up this year. Just kill it, really. I'm more of a truther than Matt is. I'm here for it as well. I have plenty of exposure to Spencer Rattler, uh, so that would be nice. Um, I think that that is going to be uh, about a wrap. Uh, I would like to just take a second to uh, thank each of you uh, for coming on this evening. Uh I've had a blast. I hope everyone listening has had a blast. Um, Thank you so much. Um, For everyone who is listening, be sure to check out campusacampus.com. It's something like ridiculously cheap, uh, like $3 a month. Uh, They have great tools that uh, that has been mentioned and referenced uh, numerous times uh, this evening. Uh, Wonderful articles, uh, great series of podcasts. the whole the whole nine yards uh campus campus.com is a wonderful resource that pays for itself uh you know in very short order um i'm gonna give everyone a quick uh shout out so we can uh get everyone's uh twitter handles uh so that hopefully you guys can net some follows uh austin nace uh at debbie deets uh alfred fernandez uh at uh sorry at alfred jf uh Felix Sharp at Sharp Review, uh, Matt Brunning uh, at Sports Fanatic MB, and Jarek Backus uh, at Jarek Backus. Um, 
yeah once again uh thank you all so much um and you're all obviously welcome back anytime some thank yeah. you for having us this was a lot of fun thank you very much for for having us tonight Yes. Yeah. Thank you. You didn't ask. You didn't ask my question here tonight. I'm uh, well, I'd already asked the uh, for the sleepers, and you name like four or five QBs. Uh, so I oh I, no, I, I meant the I meant the who's better looking. Oh, the who's better those. looking. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna ask that. That Chris also wants to know why you're mean to Colin. Because Colin's oh. better looking than Austin. That's why he's mean. <laughs> 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 yeah. Put a bow on that. There it is. Uh. <laughs>